Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you we want to continue our studies on the subject of prayer. I've been teaching on prayer. Prayer is talking to God, which means every Christian should be able to pray. The book of Luke chapter 11 verse 1, the Bible said, the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So prayer is something that has to be taught. And uh, um, as we studied this month on prayer, you will see that prayer is very common to every religion, but not every religion prays properly. Prayer is very common to all Christians but not all Christians are praying properly. And so it's very important that the subject of prayer should be taught properly. And uh, I'm hoping that everything I'm teaching this month will help you to readjust your approach to prayer so that your prayer life can become more effective and more dynamic. Amen? Yeah, so I talk about the principles of prayer. Principles of prayer. Number one, God hears prayer. You know, the angel said to Zachariah in the book of Luke chapter 1, verse 13, he said, Zachariah, your prayer is heard. God hears prayer. Number two, God answers prayer. He hears prayer, he answers prayer. Number three, God does not answer every prayer. I've heard many, many, many preachers say God answers all prayers. That is not true. And you know that is not true. Because if all your prayers were answered by now, things would have been different. God doesn't answer every prayer. Number four, God answers prayer on the basis of his agreement with scripture. So um, Jesus said in John 15 verse 7, he said, if my words abide in you, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask whatever you will, and it will be done. Uh-huh. James 4.3 said, you fight, you covet, and you ask, but you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So there are things you ask you don't receive because you don't ask it with the right motive. Okay, so number five, God answers prayer according to the specific request, not according to your need. God doesn't just look at you and say, oh, this my son has a lot of needs. Let me just provide for him. No, he answers according to the specific things you ask. So if you have five different needs and you ask him for one, he will answer that one. So if you have a need for healing, you need to ask God specifically for healing. If you have a financial need, you need to ask God for that specific need. Um, Jesus said, if your children ask you for a fish, will you give them a snake? If your children ask you for bread, will you give them stone? That's exactly how God answers our prayer. Amen. According to the specific requests. Number six, God can give you more than what you asked. For, but he will never give you what you did not ask for. He can give you more than what you asked for. 
but he will never give you what you did not ask for. Ephesians 3.20 said, Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask and think. And I pray that I pray today that may God exceed your requests in the name of Jesus. And the, and the last important principle of prayer is that God rewards prayer. God is the rewarder of prayer. That is why we should get that reward from him, not from anybody else. Prayer is very important. Number one importance of prayer is that it is the best legitimate means of getting your needs met. If you want your needs to be met in a very legitimate way, prayer is the best option. Number two, prayer enables you to benefit from the generosity of God. God is very generous. He loves you. He's willing to provide for you. But the means by which we benefit from God's generosity is when we pray. Number three, prayer gives God the permission to perform on the earth. Number four, prayer is the critical factor for a good relationship with God. Number five, prayer enhances constant reliance on God. And number six, prayer enables Christians to exercise authority against Satan. All this I have taught. I'm just giving you reminders. Now, I want to go to today's teaching. Reasons why many pray, but they don't receive answers to their prayers. Why many fail to receive answers to prayer? I started talking about this on Sunday. The number one is unforgiveness. I have, I have talked about that. Number two reason why many people do not receive answers to their prayer is lack of faith. I've explained that also. Number three reason why many do not receive answers to prayer is praying cont contrary to God's will. That means what you are asking for is not in line with his will for your life. Sometimes, if God will answer some of your prayers, it will mess up your destiny completely. Because from where he sits, he sees things better than you can see. And he knows that that door you want him to open, if he opens it, it won't be good for you, for your future. That is why the Bible says that we should trust the Lord with all our heart, and we should not lean on our own understanding. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Trust. Trust God simply means believe that God is in control. Even in the most confused situation of your life, still believe that God is what? is in control. Tell your neighbor and tell him God is in control over your life as long as you permit him. True prayers. Amen. All right. Number four is praying with the wrong motive. I've explained that also. Number five is praying with the wrong attitude. Now I want to complete number six, seven, and eight. Number six reason why God doesn't answer prayers is disobedience. Disobedience to God's word and to God's instructions. So anytime you want to pray on an issue, the basis for your faith is scripture. The prayer you are praying will be granted on the basis of its agreement to scripture. If you remember when I was talking about principles of prayer. So it means that what God has said concerning that issue you are praying about must be taken into serious consideration when you are praying. 
you know. And sometimes, many people think that prayer is a tool you use to carry out your personal agenda, irrespective of God, irrespective of God's principle, irrespective of God's will and mind. Many people think that, you know, once you pray, you get an answer. And the important thing that we must never forget is that when you pray, it is God who answers the prayer. If you remember that all the time, it will make your prayer life different. It is God who will answer the prayer. So when you disobey him, God has put in his word, do this and I'll bless you. Now you're asking him to bless you, but you haven't done what he said you should do. For instance, you are praying for God to make you rich, prosper you. And God's principles on finances, financial prosperity is very clear. You must be hardworking. You must honor God with your tithes. And you must be a giver. That is the word of God. Now, <laughs> you've never paid tithe all your life. But you believe that hard prayer will make you prosper. It doesn't work that way. That is why sometimes our prayers are not answered because, you know, the Bible said in the book of John 15, 7, I think we've even read it already, it said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what will happen? You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So the condition is that his word, you must Know how to practice his word. There is no hope and future for any Christian who doesn't honor God faithfully with his tithe. I'm not talking about putting any money into the envelope at the first Sunday so that nobody will see that you are a bad person. But you know that's not your tithe. If it's not a tenth of your income, it's not tithe. And that's why many people's finances are struggling. Even though you are praying, you can fast the next thousand years. Hello? Yeah, you have to be hardworking. You have to be diligent. If you are lazy, you can prosper. You have to work. You are asking God to open a door for your marriage. But you are chasing somebody's husband. And his word is very clear. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Disobedience to the word of God. Whilst you are breaking somebody's marriage, then you are praying for your marriage at the same time. How is God going to answer that? So disobedience to the word of God. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother, and it shall be well with you. That is the scripture. And you will live long. There are still many praying, prayerful Christians who don't talk to their parents. Some of them believe their parents are witches. In fact, there are prayer meetings where people are praying that their parents should die because a prophet somewhere has told them that their mother is a witch. You know, that prayer is contradicting scripture. God will never answer that prayer. Your mother will never die, but you will suffer. You will suffer. That's why many people are suffering. Honor your father and your mother. It opens doors. It brings blessings. No struggle. It shall be well with you. And you will live long. One of the reasons why people, after praying, they will still die very early is because they rebel against their parents. So disobedience to scripture is one of the reasons, I think there's a scripture that we need to read. Proverbs 1.23. Proverbs 1.23. It said, Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known 
to you. Because I have called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdain all my counsel. You understand disdain? That means you mock it. You know, there are some people who mock at God's word. They go to church, but they treat the word of God like something outmoded and a cake. So God's word is saying, forgive. They will never forgive. There are Christians who will never forgive. You, you offend them, they will mark you down. They say, no problem. They will deal with you in very, very sinister ways. So he said, you disdain all my counsel. Everything in the world, you mock it. You treat it like trash. You treat it like foolish, nonsense. You disdain my counsel. Sometimes, even when preaching is going on, people are on their phones, chatting with a friend somewhere, and laughing. You know, the preaching has become entertainment time. You disdain my counsel, and you have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. <laughs> God says, some, you know, when you are a child of God and you are stubborn, the day you are suffering, God says you'll be laughing. This is serious. Oh. This is serious. Oh. God said, I will laugh at your calamity. See, disaster will come at you, eh? and God will be laughing. He said, hey, where are Jemai? Okay, hand, oh yeah, Bema, handle it, let's see. <laughs> you think you are strong. You say you are smart, eh? Okay, handle it, let's see. <laughs> I will laugh at your calamity. He said, I will mock when your terror comes. He said, when it comes, that means it will surely come. It will surely come. Isn't that a dangerous thing? Oh, God. When your terror comes like a storm and your distraction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. I will not. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Nobody here will, will be in this condition. Say amen. Yeah. Nobody. They will call on me, but I will not answer. There are many people crying and praying now. Some of them are on a prayer camp. Because when you are living disobedient and you are not getting answers to your prayer fast, then somebody will tell you, is it because your, your pastor is not anointed? And they will say, oh, this place, Ojano is not, is not strong. So I have a place. Let's go. Go. It is the same God you are going to call upon there. He said he won't answer. It is not about where you prayed. It's about how you pray. How you pray. You know, in the book of Isaiah 66, verse 2, look at this, Isaiah 66, verse 2. It said, For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I, what? Look. God said, there are some particular people I love to look at. And who are the people? On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who what? Trembles at my word. Poor, that means never self-sufficient. No matter where God has lifted you to, you don't behave like you have arrived. That means you humble yourself when you come before God. And you acknowledge that eh, without his grace and his hand, you are still nothing. We are all nothing without the help of God, without his protection. That is the truth. 
is hard to believe, but it's hard to agree, but it's the truth. So the one who is poor and of a contrite spirit, what is a contrite spirit? That a spirit that is quick to, to repent, easy to change. Yeah, quick to change, open to change, not stubborn, not static, not say, this is how I am, take it or leave it. One who is poor and of a contrite spirit, who trembles at my word. That means when he sees that, hey, this is what the word is saying, he is hurrying up to do it. There are people who are, who are moved by the word of God. There are people who are not. If you are not easily moved by the word of God, your prayers will not be answered. You will call. He will not answer. It's not that he's discriminating. God doesn't discriminate. Yeah, but he can never. Proverbs 13, verse 13. I pray that from today, God will touch your heart to tremble at his word. Look at it. It says what? He who despises the word will be what? Destroyed. The reason why many Christians are struggling is because they go to church, but they don't practice the word of God. Think you have a superior mind. You have a superior thinking. What God says you should not do, that's what you do. The Bible says sex after marriage. You have changed it, sex before marriage. And after you change it, the challenge that comes along is that when you're having sex out of marriage, the result is pregnancy. And what does pregnancy lead to? Abortion. And what is abortion? It's bloodshed, it's murder. And there are many, many church-going Christians who have innocent blood on their hands and praying. Then... If God is opening the door for another person, you are annoyed. You are annoyed. You know the word of God is against fornication. But, I mean, who cares? And you go to church. People wake up from their boyfriend's head straight to church. You have no fear for God. You have no reverence for God. You have no reverence for God. You will be a struggler for a long time. Not because God hates you, but because you are rebellious towards his word. He said, those who despise his word. And let me tell you, everybody who doesn't do bad things, it's not that they cannot do it. Are you with me? If you see somebody living uprightly, it's not that the person doesn't know how to do wrong, but the person is allowing the word of God to regulate his life. Yes. So when you see people who are living uprightly, it is because they, the word of God is regulating their life. When you see people who are not living uprightly, they don't want the word of God to regulate their life. And God said, you despise my counsel, you disdain my, my ordinances, I will laugh at your calamity. I pray that you will not come to the place where God will laugh, laugh at your calamity. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Number six reason why God doesn't answer prayers is wickedness. <laughs> Number seven. Living a life of ungodliness and wickedness. You know, many, many, many years ago, I came across a scripture and it touched my heart and changed my life. Psalm 7 verse 11. Psalm 7 verse 11. What does it say? I want everybody to read it, please. Everybody, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> is it powerful? Is it powerful or is it not powerful? Hey. 
One day God spoke to me from this scripture. God is what? And he's, he's angry with who? The wicked. For how long? Every day. Now, how can God be angry with a wicked person and answer his prayer at the same time? Is it possible? No. God is angry at what? The wicked person. He didn't say whether he's an unbeliever or Christian because some Christians are more wicked than unbelievers. Some Christians, you can't beat them in wickedness. They are masters. And the reason why God is angry at the wicked is because he is a just judge. You know a just judge? Somebody who is not partial when it comes to matters of life. You know, when I was teaching on love, I said that God is love, but he's also a just God. What does that mean? God loves the sinner, but he hates sin. His love will make him love a sinner, but his justice makes him hate sin. So God loves you, but he hates some of the wicked actions of yours. Now, what is wickedness? What is wickedness? Being insensitive to the feeling of others. You don't care how people feel about anything you do. You hurt people anyhow you like. You destroy people anytime you like. There are some Christians, will be tired if you employ them at your workplace, they will, they will destroy the company. While still praying and saying, praise the Lord, they will destroy everything. Because it's not theirs. Once it's not theirs, it has to be destroyed. God is angry at the wicked. One of the things I want all of us to learn to do, don't destroy people. Don't hurt people. When you hurt people and they cry to God, God will judge you. God will what? He will judge you. Yeah, if you break somebody's marriage, God will judge you. There are many Christians who break marriages. There are many Christians who, who, who conspire against people. You know, somebody's doing well. He hasn't done anything to you. You just hate the person. Hatred is wickedness, people. Hatred is wickedness. Can I say that again? Hatred, all hatred is wickedness. And somebody hasn't done anything to you. He's just prospering. And you're angry. And you begin to think about how to sabotage the person. How to destroy the person. Sometimes we cannot destroy them physically, but we destroy them with our tongue. You know, there are people who are good at fabricating lies. You see, they, they would destroy your reputation to the point where only God can bail you out. See, and all these things, God hates it. God hates it. God hates it when you conspire against people. God hates it when you speak, fabricate lies. You know the thing is not true. You know it's not true. You just want to destroy somebody to get favor. Or you want to destroy somebody and take his position. You want to destroy somebody and take his privilege or opportunity or something. And after we do all that, we, we are praying. Oh God, oh God, oh God, you are praying. But you see, God is angry at wickedness. You know you don't love this lady, but you propose to her. And the reason why you propose is because you want to have sex with her. And then after having sex with a person for a year, you tell the person that you are not interested in a relationship anymore. 
Then you jump to the next lady. Then to the next lady. Then to the next lady. And there are people who go to church. You see, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it comes back to every lady who decides not to honor God's word. Because if you are a young lady who knows how to obey scripture, God will give you a godly man. Because you too, you don't, you don't value God's word. That is why crooks in the church will use you and dump you. They use you and dump you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Because you are a part of the whole process of messing up destiny by despising the word of God. The Bible says in the Proverbs 15 verse 8, it said, the sacrifice of the wicked is what? Abomination. So, you see, wickedness will make your offering on the altar abomination to God. You think you can bribe God. You think you can destroy people and come and put offering on the altar and that offering will do what? God is more interested in your attitude to his word than in your money. The sacrifices of the wicked person is abomination. It is what? Abomination. It is abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. So when the upright goes to God, they don't even need to make a sacrifice (laughs) before God will hear them. When they lift up their voice, God is hearing them. Yeah, but there are people God, God will not even mind them, look their way, even after a sacrifice. Yeah, so refrain from hatred, refrain from envy, refrain from treachery. You know what is treachery? You betray trust. People trust you and you, you kill them. Because there are, some, you know, there are some people's secrets, when you reveal it, it's like you have killed a person. You know, yeah, that's what Jesus said about Judas Iscariot said, the son of God is about to be betrayed, but woe betides the person. That is wickedness. (laughs) Only a wicked person (laughs) will go and take money to betray Jesus. And there are people today, money will make them sell you early morning. (laughs) When money hit the table, you are gone. You are finished. You are finished. And may you not trust the wrong people. I said, may God give you discernment that you will not trust wicked people. Yeah, you don't trust wicked people. They are smiling at you and telling you, oh, oh, my brother. No, you know you are my brother. You know I'm there for you. Don't worry, I'm standing with you. But at the same time, he's in league with all your enemies. The same time he's with you, he's in league with your enemies. And he's telling them everything about you, how they can destroy you. That is wickedness. That is wickedness. Yeah, that is wickedness. The book of Psalm 50, 50 verse 16. He said, but to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? (laughs) Oh, sorry, I quote these scriptures. The same scriptures you have disobeyed and you have despised. When you have a problem there, you are quoting it. So the scripture works for you only if you are in problem. <laughs> when witches are attacking you, then you get up and say, hey, no weapon from against me will prosper. But the same scripture also said, thou shalt not steal your boss and trust money into your hands. You become a mistake. Yeah. The same scripture that said no weapon from against is the same scripture said, extortionists will not inherit God's blessings. 
You extort people. You defraud people. You know, there are Christians who defraud. They look at you straight and they are planning how to take everything you have and they don't care how you feel about it. All they think about is themselves. You know, that is wickedness. What right have you to declare my status or take my covenant in your mouth? Go on. Seeing you hate instructions and cast my words behind you, you put his word behind you as if he's not talking about you. When you saw a thief, you consented with him. When you see people stealing, instead of telling them, brother, I think this one won't help you and it will not help me, you tell him, give me high five. <laughs> I didn't know you were smart like that. This is what we are talking about. This is how we do it. Don't mind all those crefe, crefe, crefe people, those two no, two no people. They are even worse. When you see a thief, you consented with him and you have been a partaker with adulteress. You know, there are people who push you. They'll push you. They said, he's married and so on. Go, go. You to go and fight. You to go and fight for it. Take the money, Sam. Bring it home. You become a partaker. Verse 19. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames mischief. There are some people, if they want to destroy you with their tongue, you better start fasting and praying. Because there's no way you can defend yourself. They know how to set you up. And as a Christian, it's very important that you walk with discernment. Because not everybody saying praise the Lord is truly praising the Lord. No, some people are saying praise the Lord, but they, are, they want to destroy. They are on agenda. You need to be discerning. Yeah, and I'm not saying church alone. The people say praise the Lord to you at, at your workplace. You still need to be careful. Because the person who is most likely to betray you at work, I can bet you it won't be a Muslim, it will be a Christian. It's sad to say. I have met people of other religions that are very upright and trustworthy and good people. And I have, I've seen things in church that you will never see at the shrine. Oh, true, true. For instance, let me give you, let me give you, a, let me give you a case I've handled before. You know, a brother, a brother in the choir was sleeping with two sisters in the choir. Now, when I say choir, I don't mean this church. <laughs> before, before the journalists ran to do publications. <laughs> I've handled a case before when a brother in the church was sleeping with two sisters in the choir in a charismatic church. Do you think that thing can happen at the shrine? No, 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 no. They call it taboo. In the shrine, they call it a taboo. They will never do it. They will never do it. When I was pastoring the north, I know a pastor who divorced his wife and wanted to marry his stepdaughter. Yeah. The, the woman he's married to had a daughter before he got married to her. And uh, for some reasons that only God can understand, this pastor is now leaving his wife to marry the wife's daughter. And he managed to explain to the church that incest is a sin under the law in the Old Testament and that it doesn't apply in the New Testament. So one of the elders of the church came to see me because they were confused. And I said, put Bible aside. This thing is morally wrong. We don't even need Bible on this. 
These are the things that are happening in churches. These are the, the level of evil that is happening in churches. Church-going people. People are snatching their best friends' husbands, best friends' wives in church. It's wickedness. There's a scripture in Isaiah. This one is not exciting, but I tell you to help you. Look at this. It says, there is no peace, says God, for the wicked. No peace. You will never have peace. I'm not cursing you. If you are a wicked person, what you don't like people to do to you, that's what you do to people with impunity. Do it and you believe they must not complain. Nobody has a right. Some of you, you hate people. And when they talk, you are even angry. That what right do they have to complain about your wickedness? But I will say that there's no peace. You won't have peace. You won't have peace. If you are not having peace, check, check your life. Life is not supposed to be a struggle. Life can be very fulfilling, exciting, despite the devil and all these things, every day blaming the witches in your father's house, mother's house, blaming the devil, everything. You know, one day I was, I was talking to a lady who has committed adultery, and I was asking her, sitting with her and the husband. And I said, oh, this is your husband. The husband obviously found out that she was cheating on him. And the man had not even decided to divorce. He just wanted the lady to maybe confess and promise not to do it again. I asked this lady, what that your husband is saying? Is it true? She said, yes. I said, okay, why would you do such a thing against your husband? I was expecting her to just say, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. Beg my husband for me. And I promise not to do that again. And blah, 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 blah. You know what this lady told me? She said she knows that this thing is a setup by, by the witches in her family. <laughs> hey, God. Pastoral work is difficult too. That day I said, I wish I was not a pastor. I wanted to slap that woman. I said, me born soon. Because one of the problems with charismatic Christians, we're always looking for the devil to blame for everything. We never want to take responsibility for our wrong. If you are talking with somebody who can't say, I'm sorry, he's trying to tell you, I won't stop. Oh. Don't, don't blame me. Oh. Blame the witches in my family. So I looked at this lady and I said, oh my God, this man is in trouble. This man is in big trouble because last reason why our prayers are not answered is refusing to pay your vows to God. Failing to pay your vows. Let's read Psalm 50 verse 14 to 15. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Amen. So what is a vow? A vow is any promise or pledge you make before God, either privately or in God's house. A vow is also any promise you make to another person in the name of God. So when you stand at the altar and you tell your wife or your husband that I promise in the name of Almighty God to be faithful to you all the days of my life, uh, in good times and bad times, you made a vow to your partner, but God is the witness. That is why 1 Peter 3 says that one of the reasons why many men's prayers are not answered is because they don't treat their wives well. You break vows. 
And it's not only men who break vows, women also break vows. So marital unfaithfulness is breaking of vows. And it brings, it invites God's wrath and it, it makes prayers to be hindered. Now, the book of um, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4. It says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. God doesn't like foolish people. I thank God you are not a fool. Say amen to that. Okay. A fool is someone who says all the powerful things to God. God, if you bless me, I'll serve you. I'll follow you. I'll worship you. I'll never turn back my back to you. If you open a door for my marriage, if you help me and this marriage, this wedding comes on, oh God, I'll serve you all the rest of my days. You are speaking and speaking and speaking. Now, the wedding has happened. And quickly, you throw away everything you said. Why do you do that? Because you think God is somebody, God is a human being. You know, politicians always do that to us. They promise us, we vote for them, they forget us. But God said, you can't do that to me. You do that to God, you are being foolish. Why? Because you will come back to that same God with another need. Isn't it? You will come back. He has helped you to marry, but you will come back to ask for children. And when he gives you children, you will come back and ask for protection over your children. You will come back and ask for money to take care of that child's school fees. You will come back, you will come back. So stop thinking like, oh, what you've got is, is, is done. That is thinking foolishly. God has no pleasure in fools. Don't say anything to God that you don't mean to do. Say things you mean, then God will trust you. Say things you mean and do things you say, and God will trust you. Yeah, so Hannah vowed to God and said, if you give me a baby, I'll give him to you. Did she do it? Yes. Could she have refused to do it? Yes. Hannah could have refused not to send a child. Keep him. Say, God, I changed my mind. And what will God do? Nothing. God won't do anything. Except that next time Hannah goes to pray, God will mind him. Many of us, God doesn't mind us anymore because we are like Hannah keeping our Samuels in our house. When Hannah gave Samuel to God, God gave her five more children. Five more children. Read your Bible. You see there. God gave her five more children. He said, God has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Verse 5. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. It's better not to vow. So, one of the reasons why I don't like to write people's names when I said they should make a pledge is because I want people to live a trustworthy life to God, not to me. Are you hearing me? Yeah. I want you to come to the place where you can be a trust, you can be trustworthy before God. That without your name being written or you people chasing you and sending reminders, you can be able to say, God, I'm doing this for you. And then you do it. And you are not saying, I'm doing it because you want to impress people. You know, one of the, one of the reasons why people make vows in church, they want to impress people. And I have seen people make vows and never pay because they didn't plan to pay it. They just wanted everybody to see, hey, me too, I'm there. Oh, give 10,000, hey, quickly. If I don't go out, they won't respect me. 
that is, that is foolishness. That is foolishness. You see, you are using God to get a reputation for yourself that you don't deserve. Yeah. You don't deserve a reputation that, you know, you say, better not to vow than to vow and not pay. So don't be under pressure to give what you don't intend to. Please, are you following? Don't be under pressure. Of course, all of us have been challenged by God to take a step of faith several times. We have all challenged. Sometimes God will prompt you like he did for Abraham. God said to Abraham one early morning, Abraham, he said, take your only son. Ah, Abraham had two sons that time. But God said, take your only son, Isaac. If God had not mentioned Isaac, oh, Ishmael would have finished long time because Ishmael was already a problem. So God said, take your only son, Isaac. God, Abraham said, oh boy, and go and sacrifice him to me. That is, sometimes God does, God will do that to everyone who will be greatly blessed. Can I say that again? Uh, to, to enter some realm of financial breakthrough, God will push you to give monies you, you don't even have. But it has to be a decision and a commitment, not, not pressure. Hello? Yeah, not pressure. And one of the things I, I try to do is if I bring a man of God here to preach and to minister to people, I am very mindful of no member of the church being put under pressure. Sometimes I've had issues with some men of God that you don't know about because I did not like the way they went about certain things when it comes to money. Because I, I believe people must give willingly in order to be blessed. How many agree with me? Yes. And some of them who don't, who had an issue with my issue, it's simple. I will invite you again. Oh, yeah, it's, I'm the pastor. It's, it's... Yeah. yeah. So there are people I will not invite because I don't like the way they go about things. And when you are a good man of God, you go to a church, you must listen to the person who invited you. Are you hearing me? Yes. Oh, you are not a pastor, but it's still good to hear it. You must listen to it. If the poster, you don't like this, you know, you don't do it. You don't do it. You may disagree, but you don't do it. To think that because you are the man of God, so you can do what you like, I'll stop you. I'll not invite you again. And I'm not under obligation to invite anybody to this church. Are you following me? But all I'm trying to teach this morning is that don't be under pressure to make vows. But if you feel prompted in your spirit to make any vow, follow through and pay. Why? There's always great blessings that follow the payment of every vow. Great blessings. Great blessings. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Verse 6. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Now say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I didn't really mean it. Don't joke with God. Because you're not making the vow to the man of God. All right. He said, why should God be angry at your excuse? And what? Destroy the work of your hands. That's the one I see in the Bible. I become scared. That God who promised to bless the work of my hands can also turn back and destroy the work of my hands. So you see, sometimes things get destroyed in your life, not because the devil is destroying it. That's why your prayer is not prevailing against that destruction. If the devil, when you pray, the thing will be destroyed. But if it's God himself who is putting a hold, an embargo on your 
the work of your hands. No amount of prayer can turn it around. Hello? So, if you make vows, you make a pledge, follow through. And I'm not talking about, oh, unexpectedly some constraints came your way. Hello? Yeah. Constraint came your way. God is looking at your hands. He's looking at your pocket. He knows you don't have it. But you must still be committed to paying it when you have it. Anytime I make pledges to God, I stop everything I'm doing. I stop. Until I'm true with God, I don't want to do anything, any major thing. Yes. Are you here? Yeah. But you have it. But other things are more important than the same pledge. You made, yeah. And it's not somebody who made a pledge for you. You made it yourself. You made it yourself. You made it yourself. Psalm 66 from verse 13. Psalm 66 verse 13. I'll go into your house with burnt offering. I'll pay you my vows, uh -huh, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in... You see, when we are in trouble, we can make promises. Oh. Hey, God, you try me. God, bless me and see. You will see how I'll save you. <laughs> Hallelujah. When we are in trouble, even if you talk to any fetish priest, they will tell you, only about 10% of people who go to the shrine to make vows go back after things have become well. They don't go. It's, it's human nature. When we are in problems, oh yeah, God, give me this job. I will never fail to pay my tithe. Now you have the job. Where is the tithe? Oh God, wait. The job that you prayed and God gave you, the tithe too has become a tag of war between you and God. You and God are now fighting over your tithe. Lord, give me the contract. If you give me this contract, I will never neglect your house. Now, the, the house of God is, uh, is something else to you. He said, I'll pay the vows that I made when I was in trouble. What, one of the things that, that is, is very good to do is, is, to, is to sow seed. You know, when I was teaching about keys to answer prayer, I talk about sowing seed over your request. Remember? Yeah. And sometimes you may not have the seed to sow. Like Hannah, so he made a pledge. There are major requests, prayer requests of your life. You cannot just pray and leave it there. You have to make God a promise and commit to the promise. And that is why some of us, God is finding difficult answering our prayers because the ones, the promises we made in the past, we can't keep them. But I pray that from today, you will have a dynamic prayer life and that you will come to the place where all your prayers are being answered. In the name of Jesus, all your prayers are being answered. Let me do one more um, topic. How to develop an effective prayer life. How to develop an effective prayer life. Now, this is the most important thing about my teaching on prayer. My focus about, on this teaching is that every member of this church, you need to have a dynamic prayer life. That means you must know how to pray. You must know how to what? pray. Now, every Christian who knows how to pray, your prayers and the prayer of your pastor is enough to take you everywhere you want to go in life. Yeah. Your prayers and what else? The prayer of your pastor is enough. You don't need any other auxiliary prayer sources to get to where you are going. Now, 
Give me James um, 5.13. The error that is going on in Christendom today is that many, many, many Christians don't want to pray. Many Christians don't want to pray. And the reason why many Christians don't want to pray is because we are deceived to think effective prayer is not part of every individual Christian life. That there are only few people who know how to pray and the rest must not pray. Then the only few people must now be praying for others. And let me tell you, many people have suffered and have been destroyed because they committed their life and destiny to somebody they call an intercessor. It's an error. Now, if you read the Bible, you will see that there is nowhere in the Bible that an office of the ministry is called the office of an intercessor. There is nowhere in the Bible. There are five offices in the New Testament. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All these people are supposed to be intercessors. All Christians are supposed to be intercessors. That's why the book of 1 Timothy 2 verse 1, it said, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. This is, the, this is the responsibility of all Christians. It is very dangerous to put your destiny and your life in the hands of a Christian brother or Christian sister who promised to pray for you. It's a very dangerous thing. Don't do it. Put your destiny in your own hands. Learn how to pray and pray. Hello? I said you should do what? Learn how to pray and pray. Yeah. So the book of James 5, 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him call for an intercessor. Is that what the Bible says? Let him what? If anyone suffering, let him what? Pray. Yes. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Let him praise God. <laughs> Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And that word elder, there, it means pastors, not church members who are old. Yeah, in the New Testament, the elders were the pastors, like we have shepherds. And let them pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will what? Save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a pastor or an apostle. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous, of a right, of who? A righteous. That means you and I, children of God. The effective, fervent. See, when prayer is dynamic, it produces great results. One of the things the devil wants to do to you is to make you doubt the power of prayer. If Satan can get you not to believe in the, your, the power of your own prayers, then he has limited your life. But you need to believe in the power of your own prayers. And I want to say that if you know how to pray effectively, your prayers will produce great results. Your prayers will do what? 
produce great results. You can turn situations by your own prayer. You can turn things around in your life by your own prayer. You can see doors opening your life by your own prayer. Your own prayer. So he said, confess your trespasses to one another. That means if you do wrong, you should have people you trust that you can talk to, to pray with you. It also means that when you offend somebody, apologize to the person. And when somebody apologizes to you, forgive the person. And let it go and pray for one another. That's what he's saying. This scripture means that if you offend people, don't, cover, don't go to God and go and say, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for what I did to Sister Lucy. No. Go to Sister Lucy. Confess your trespass. Sister Lucy, you know, last time what I did, I realized I was wrong. I'm sorry. It won't take anything away from you. It won't destroy you. It will earn you respect and favor before God. Confess your faults, your trespasses, one to another, and pray for one another that you may be what? That means offending people can even open doors for sickness to attack you. I think I put a video on our leaders' platform many years ago. Pastor Benahin said that Kenneth Copeland spoke evil of him and became sick. Hmm. And he was praying and praying. God said, go to Benahin and go and apologize to him and I'll heal you. So you can hurt a child of God and problems will come at you. I've said it all the time. God has a justice system over the universe. People reap what they sow. That's why you should forgive people because God will deal with them. Every deliberate offense is punished by God. Yeah, so Kenneth Copeland went to Benihin and said, Benihin, I'm sorry. I spoke evil of you. These are the things I said. I'm sorry, forgive me. In fact, I will sponsor one of your crusades. He paid. Confess your trespasses one to another. Don't go to God and say, oh, Father, I'm sorry for what I did to you. Even if your wife, you offend, sit down and say, my wife, I'm here. You have done wrong. I'm sorry. And if, and if your husband comes to you and say, I'm sorry, forgive him and pray for him. Don't say, eh. <laughs> ah, you see, you see, you see, you see you are suffering now. Confess your faults address one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. All the great and successful people in the Bible were prayerful people. Mention any name of successful people in the Bible, and I'll, and I'll show their prayer life. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. Mention their names. All the great people. They were prayerful people. There's always a connection between an, a dynamic prayer life and your success. And let me say that prayer is more powerful than prophecy. Prayer is more powerful than prophecy. Because somebody prayed about a prophecy he doesn't like, he didn't like, and God changed it. His name is Ezekiel. I want to show it to you. Give me Isaiah 38 verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, that says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed. Oh, if it was some people, they would have died. Ah, prophet has spoken. Now, this is Isaiah's prophecy. 
And uh, if you don't know how to pray, become a puppet in the hands of prophets. Puppet. I know Christians who are prophets manipulate any time they like. They call you and they say, oh, I see death. I see death. You know, because when people are scared, they are ready to do anything they are told. That's what some of, most of you say. There are prophets who will never tell you anything good. They always tell you witches, wizards, dwarfs. What else? Every day, they are bombarding you. Hey, you know, somebody in this church was sick and somebody called her and told her some terrifying things. And she was so scared, she miscarried. She was pregnant. I say it's your fault. Because the things I won't call you and tell you, you are willing to let people call you and tell you. So I told that lady, I said, it's your fault. Are you hearing me? Yeah. I mean, will you call that a prophecy from God? No. A prophecy from God doesn't destroy people. It builds people up. It doesn't mess people up. When you hear things that mess you up, it's not from God. It's from people's own selfish, manipulative sources. And you allow them because you don't want to pray. You don't want to pray. You don't want to own your own prayer life. Verse 3. And said, remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. God, remember, it's me, I've served you. Instead of sending a prophecy for healing, you are sending me prophecy for dying. It's not fair. Do something about this prophecy. Look at verse 4. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. It came to who? Okay, verse 5. Go and tell Hezekiah, that says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely, I will add to your days 15 years. Now, who gave the prophecy first? Is it not Isaiah? Okay, who gave him the word to go and tell Hezekiah? Is it not God? Now, the same God told Isaiah, hey, go back home. Yeah, so anything you hear, you don't like, you can stop it if you know how to pray. A prophet's word is not final in your life until you receive it, you accept it, and you believe it. Or oh, if all, all prophecy words, I shouldn't be standing here. You know how many times they've told me you are going to die? Yeah. A young man went to Prophet Kakrabedin's office and said, I, I, I have a word for you. And he said, yes, let's hear it. So I saw in a vision that your wife died. And Prophet Kakrabedin Look at the young man and said, no, it's not my wife who died. Your wife who died. <laughs> and uh, a few weeks later, the guy's wife died. Oh, yes. The guy's wife died. See, there are people who are so... Oh, I, don't want, I was going to say stupid. <laughs> Forgive me. I didn't really mean to say it. <laughs> and we have all these things going on in church every time. People, some of you, everything you hear, then you are scared. You are, you know, just because you don't want to pray. But read the Bible. The people made it greatly and successfully. They prayed. A man like Jabez, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 9 and 10. We, 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 we prayed with this in this month. The Bible said, and God granted him his request. His life started so bad, his mother called him Jabez, which means sorrow and pain. No love, no nothing. The Bible said he became more honorable than all his brothers because he knew how to take his destiny into his own hands. And pray. Hannah gave birth to Samuel when she decided to take 
In fact, the past, her pastor was even laughing at her. You are, you, you are behaving like you are drunk. If she was waiting for a pastor, I'm not sure she would ever have had a child at time. But she decided that this is not... The husband was saying, I'm better to you than a thousand children. That means the husband was not interested in joining the prayer. There are issues when you go through it, you have to deal with it alone. There are issues when you are going through, you have to deal with it all alone. You must know how to pray. I see the grace for prayer coming on your life. From today, nobody will manipulate your life anyhow. Say amen to that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, how to develop an effective prayer life? Be consistent. Number one, be consistent. Everybody say consistency. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Consistency. Not pray once a while. Some of us, that's our problem. Pray, your prayer life grows as you do it consistently. Every day, consistently. Not once a while. Colossians um, 4 verse, it says, continue earnestly in prayer. Continue. Continue. Not once a while. Yeah. You know the reason why Daniel refused to stop praying, even though there was a law that nobody should pray? You know why Daniel refused to stop? Because of consistency. What will you do if there's a law in Ghana now? Nobody should pray. Some of you will say, thank God. <laughs> Finally, salvation has come. I've been waiting for this long. There was a law, a decree, and not, we are not talking about in democracy where human rights is uh, well recognized. There was a decree by the king. Nobody should pray. And the Bible said, Daniel, after hearing the decree, he went to his room, opened the window, and he prayed three times every day. Three times. Because the Jews pray three times every day. The Jews pray three times every day. So consistency. Everybody say consistency. Number two, be persistent in prayer. Be what? persistent in prayer. Isaiah 62 from verse 6, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. I like verse 7. And give him what? No rest till he establishes and till he makes Jerusalem a place in the earth. Give them no rest. Let's look at Luke chapter 11 from verse 5. Luke 11 verse 5 persistence. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to give you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because of his friend, because he is his friend, Yet because of what? His persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. You know, I said that the Greek word that was used there, it says, ask and keep asking. If you look at the amplified version of this, it says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. It's something you must do constantly and keep doing it. Persistence. You pray for something once, you don't get the answer, doesn't mean you should stop. Yeah, ask Elijah. He prayed seven different times before rain fell. I tell you, if Elijah had stopped the second time, there would have been no rain. 
And some of you, there are prayer topics you need to pray and pray. And the Bible said, give him no peace, give him no rest. Don't stop. Persistence. The, the book of Luke 18, Jesus taught, Jesus taught on prayer. He said, men always ought to pray and not to faint. Remember? And he talked about a widow who went to a judge to ask for judgment, justice. And he said, the judge will perform the widow's request because the widow was persistent. So, consistency, persistence in prayer. The third one is have a daily prayer routine. Have a daily prayer routine. That means make prayer a routine in your life. What is a routine? Routines are things you do every day. Yeah, for instance. What are the things you do every day? You eat every day. Yeah. What else? When you wake up, what do you do first? You eat. When you wake up, what do you do first? You brush your teeth. So brush your teeth is a routine. Every morning you do it. Is it true? That, do I, I hope everybody does that. All right. Let's assume everybody does that. Bathing is a routine. I hope. Bathing is a routine. Eating is a routine. There are things you do every day. So the important thing about prayer is to strategically program your prayer life as a routine. That means you must have specific times when you pray. Jesus had a prayer time every day. If you read the book of um, Mark 1, uh, 35, the Bible said every, every early morning, he goes out to a quiet place and he goes to pray. Why did Judas know where Jesus would be in the night? Because Jesus always prayed in a particular garden every night. We call it the Garden of Gethsemane. So Judas Iscariot knew that if I take the soldiers to this place at so and so time, we'll find Jesus in there. So you must have specific times when you pray. Hello? Yeah, have a prayer routine. It must be the same time every, every day of your life, as much as possible. There must be a specific time every day that God knows my son or my daughter is going to call. It's very, very important. Um, so prayer routine. Everybody say prayer routine. So it helps you to have a prayer time every day. For some of you, it can be the time you are driving from your house to work. Because some of you take more than an hour to get to work. Is it true? So if you can program your prayer time from home to the office, you could do one hour every day praying. That means at that time you are not listening to politics. You are not doing anything. You just enter the car and you start with thanksgiving, with praise and worship. And Okay, number four, have a specific place of prayer. That one is very important. If you can allocate a place where you pray in your house every day, it's very good. It's very good. That doesn't mean if you are not at that place, you didn't pray. It doesn't mean if you are not at that place, God won't hear you. But what prayer does that? It creates an open heavens. So any particular prayer, prayer is going on all the time. You see that when you enter that place, the atmosphere enhances your prayer life. Number five, have constant personal retreats. That means occasionally you should spend time alone with God, fast and pray, have pers constant personal retreats. Number six, practice midnight prayers. Number seven, pray different kinds of prayer. Do we have different kinds of prayer? Do we have different kinds of prayer? So if you want to pray effectively, not every day you wake up, God, give me, God, give me, God, give me. Yeah. That is why some of your prayer time is very short. You don't even pray for your spouse. You don't even pray for your children. It's only you. And within five minutes, you've covered all your needs. And, <laughs> and you are gone. <laughs> 
Prayer begins with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and worship. Thanksgiving and worship, sometimes if you want to do it well, it may take you 10 minutes or 30 minutes even if you want to do thanksgiving and worship very well. So people ask me, Pastor, how do I pray long? Pray all kinds of prayers. After thanking God and worshiping him, then you start with intercession. You pray for your wife. Pray for your children. Pray for your siblings, if you have any. Pray for your family members. Pray for your church. Pray for the nation. Pray for your colleagues at work. There's always so much to pray about. Before you narrow down praying for yourself. By the time you finish this, you are, you are doing like an hour of effective prayer. And the longer you pray, the stronger your prayer life becomes. The longer you pray, the stronger your prayer lives. We can pray different kinds of prayer. Ephesians 6.16 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The last one is pray in tongues constantly. And the last one is don't pray short. You know, when Jesus rebuked his disciples, he said, can't you, can't you pray with me for just one hour? That means the minimum God wants you to go is one hour. We want to pray now. Let's rise up. Let's pray from Isaiah 45. This year's 40 days of fasting, I believe that God has a word for us from Isaiah 45. And I'm praying that it will become your portion. Amen. Oh, some people didn't say amen. amen. I'm praying that it will, it will manifest in your life physically. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. So it says, that says the Lord. Can we read it together? Ready? Go. And to lose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors, so that the gates will not be shut. Verse 2. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. Verse 3. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. Amen. Amen. Clap for Jesus, everybody. So, today, today, I feel like God wants us to pray from verse 3. He said, I will give you what? The treasures of darkness and hidden riches of the secret places. I, I, I strongly believe that um, God is bringing some people in this church to the place of great wealth. Amen. And uh, I, want, I want us to pray for that. Um, this dawn when I was praying, I saw so many, many, many things happening in the lives of people. People buying properties, people, people acquiring a lot of wealth and great, great, great prosperity. I, I think that God is moving this church into a new um, dimension. And, and, and I want us to just exercise our faith. We won't be able to pray that long today, but I just want you to make do with the time. And I want you to pray. Because some doors of wealth are about to open in your life. Amen. Some great doors of wealth and substance are about to manifest in your life. Hallelujah.
Yeah, God spoke this prophecy about Isaiah 155 years before Cyrus was born. So when Isaiah was giving this prophecy, Cyrus, there was nobody called Cyrus. But he spoke the prophet prophecy. Hallelujah. And then Cyrus was born and he grew up to fulfill the prophecy. And there are people here today, there is a divine agenda of God about your life, even before you were born. Yeah. That is why sometimes people will ask you to know how are you prospering. You can't explain. Because the very things you are telling, and that's what you did to prosper, they are also doing it, but they are not getting the same kind of prosperity. Hello. Hello. I will give you the treasures of darkness. God said, I'll give it to you. Say, my father, today, I stand on your word and I make a request. I make my request. Give me the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of the secret places. In the name of Jesus, let the wealth of the nations come into my hands. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your, your right hand to heaven and say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over my life and I prophesy by faith the word of the Lord concerning my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I reach out by faith and I receive from Almighty God the treasures of darkness, the hidden riches of the secret places. In the name of Jesus, I receive wisdom to manage great wealth. I receive wisdom to manage great wealth. In the name of Jesus, I declare my life Wealth and substance is coming into my hands. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Wealth and riches is coming into my hands. In the name of Jesus. Today, I prophesy the wealth of the nations are coming into my hands. In the name of Jesus. The wealth of the nations are coming into my hands. Right now, I prophesy in the name of Jesus. 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 Now, listen. The Holy Spirit is talking to me. You see, God will bring wealth into your hands to the extent that you can manage it. To the extent that you can manage it. So your, how much you attract depends on your ability. Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom to manage wealth. Somebody say, I receive wisdom. To manage great wealth. All the remaining days of my life. I receive wisdom. To manage great wealth. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I receive wisdom. To manage great wealth. I receive that wisdom. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now the reason why this is important is that. There are people if they get wealth. They will use it to destroy they will use it to mess themselves up and mess their family up. Some people are good spouses when they are poor. When they have money, bad spouse. So, you see, 
God doesn't want to bless you with wealth and then you get destroyed. God wants to bless you with wealth so that that wealth can help you and help others. He said to Abraham, I'll bless you, you become a blessing. Somebody say, Lord, make my life a blessing. Somebody say, my father, make my life a blessing. I receive wisdom in the name of Jesus. Wisdom to manage wealth in the name of Jesus. Now, it means if God bless us greatly with wealth, we will not use it to destroy other people's destiny. Some people became very dangerous and evil because they had money. And God doesn't want you to do that. How many can promise God you won't do that? You won't mess up people's destiny when you become powerful, when you become wealthy. Hello? You won't, you won't, you won't destroy people. Some people get money. All the young girls in the neighborhood, they mess them up. Young girls who need job, they'll say, no sex, no job. That's wickedness. God doesn't want to bless you so that young girls will become victims in your hands. Hello? God wants to bless you so that you give hope to young, young people, young girls and young, young boys. Give them hope. Amen? Bless them, help them without violating them. Because you don't know where your children will be tomorrow. You are here and you are just taking advantage of young girls because of your position at work. I promise you, your children, remember your children. Remember your children. Hello? Hello? Now, if you read the book of Ezra chapter 1, we will see that God have a reason for choosing Cyrus. If you write and say, in the name of Jesus, I pray over my life and I declare by the grace of God, by the help of God, I will fulfill destiny. In the name of Jesus, my life will fulfill destiny. I will live to fulfill destiny. In the name of Jesus, I will serve my generation by the help of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I will serve my generation. Hallelujah. Yeah. So if you're asking for wealth, you must have a vision. A vision for the wealth you're asking God for. Your God is not giving you wealth just so that you can, you can throw your weight around as a rich person. He's giving you wealth because he wants to use you as an extension of his divine plan and purpose on the earth. Amen? Yeah. All the wealthy people on the earth today, they are solving global problems. Go and read it. All the wealthy people today, they are running organizations that is solving global problems. Hello? Yeah. So God will begin to give you visions. Put the right hand over your head and say, in the name of Jesus, I, I receive visions from Almighty God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I receive visions from Almighty God concerning my life to manage wealth in the name of Jesus, to become a blessing to my generation, to become a blessing to my generation in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I declare in my lifetime, my life will make a difference in other people's lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Ezra chapter 1. He said, now the, in the 
first year of King Cyrus, the king of Persia, the word of the Lord, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing. So the reason why God anointed Cyrus, and this man, I believe God is anointing somebody. The reason why God anointed Cyrus, one of the reasons is to free Israel from Babylonian captivity. That's all. That God made Cyrus so powerful that everybody thought nobody can conquer Nebuchadnezzar. But a man that is anointed can always conquer that which is not conquerable. Hello? Yes. So, so that is what the anointing is able to do. And I pray that God will anoint you. So the wealth and the riches God gives Sarah was just a side benefits. He had a mandate. He had a, a purpose from God. And somebody, I want to let you know, God has a purpose for your life. There, there is a reason why God wants to bless you. There's a reason why God is opening doors for you. Amen? There's a reason why God is prospering you. Hallelujah. Yes, that's why, you know, you know, oh my God, I wish I can preach a little. You see, don't never apologize for your prosperity. Because some of you, God is about to bless you, not even because of you. But God wants to use you to make a statement in your family that I can live, I can take anybody from nowhere and bless the person. Amen? Amen. Yes. There are many of you here, you, you, you are going to own a car by all means. Because God is using you to break some limitations. That, that's plague on your family. Nobody owns a car. God wants you to break it. So even if you don't like car, God will give you. Now, there are some of you here, God will give you more than a car. Now, let me say better. God will give you more than one car. Now, now God will give you one, more than one car because the, 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 the best anybody has gone in your family is one car. And God is saying, I want to use my son to do what? To break a limitation. So, so sometimes God will give you more than a car, not because you are materialistic or extravagant. Sometimes you may not want it, but God will give it to you. Yeah, I saw God give somebody four cars in this church within a year. You, you, you can decide not to believe me, but, but I'm not saying a vision. It's something that has happened already. In this church, God gave a brother in this church four cars in a year. One Toyota Corolla, I think 2017. One Kia Optima, 2016. One um, uh, Toyota Hilux. And uh, and his own oven. In a year. You can choose. You see some of the testimony in the church. If, if, you, if it's not you, you can easily say, oh, he's just telling another story. I'm telling you the truth. And I'm telling you the truth. And it happened to somebody who lost his car. He lost his car in a robbery. And God bless him with four. In a year. I'm not talking about struggling to say one car is not enough for me. I want more. God gave him. All of them came under strange favors. I see God blessing somebody here. 
Amen? Amen. Yeah, some of you, you are, you are okay with your house. But God is not okay. Because if all you own is one house, you haven't helped God's plan and purpose. Amen? Amen. You haven't helped God's plan and purpose. God doesn't want you to own one house. Because that house, the houses God wants to give you is to make a statement. It, it is to break some limitations. It is to, to, to rewrite some narratives. It's to create a new paradigm. It's to cross some lines. Hello? Yeah. That's why I've heard people say they are tired of traveling. They're still traveling. Some of the things, not that you prayed for it, but it's a purpose. Say, today, I declare over my life, I am stepping into divine assignments. And I am fulfilling divine agenda of Almighty God concerning my life. Lift up your two hands to heaven and say, My God, I receive grace to fulfill destiny for which I was born. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, my Father, give me grace to fulfill destiny for which I was born. I receive fresh anointing and I receive grace. In the name of Jesus. Bible said the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. So he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom. And he also put it into writing. And this is what he said. That says Cyrus, king of Persia. All the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord of God of heaven has given me. Now wait a minute. Cyrus was not an Israelite. Cyrus never worshipped God. There's no record that he worshipped God. But some way, somehow, he seemed to have known God. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. So today we are praying that our walk with God will never be compromised. Amen. If the right hand and say, in the name of Jesus, Amen. I declare over my life, no matter the situation, no matter the challenges of my life, no matter the circumstances of my life, I will follow God. I will serve God all the days of my life. I declare in the name of Jesus, my walk with God shall never be compromised by the situations of my life. No matter where I am, I will serve God. I will follow God. I will walk with God all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus. How many of you mean what you said? How many of you mean what you just said? It's a vow. It's a vow you are making to God. I know you will keep it. God will give you grace to keep it. You will never turn your back to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Cyrus didn't become blessed by accident. He grew up to know God. How? We don't know. We don't know. And he said, that, and, and the second thing I want us to pray about is that Cyrus acknowledged that it was not his strength and power that made him to conquer all the kingdoms. Look at it. Please stop the keyboard. He said, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. Amen. Amen. Will you acknowledge God as your source if he make you a multi-millionaire? Yeah. Uh, be careful how you respond to me. Ah, if you didn't know, I just taught you. I'm asking the question again. Will you, for the rest of your life, 
It's like a wedding ceremony. You, you are going to respond and say, I will. <laughs> will you acknowledge God as your source if he makes you a multi-millionaire? Yes, <laughs> oh, I see somebody about to prosper. Amen. I said, I see somebody about to prosper. Amen. I want to ask this question there for, the, for the third time. And don't forget... Amen? Amen? This is a turning point for somebody's destiny. Somebody here, God is rearranging your life. Amen. God is redirecting your destiny. Amen. I see chains are breaking up somebody's life Amen. and I see new doors are opening for somebody. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Multi-millionaires are about to rise Amen. in this church. I see you are, going to, you are one of them. Amen. I said you are one of them. Will you acknowledge God for the rest of your life if, as your source if he makes you a multi-millionaire? Yes, I will. Amen? Amen. Somebody say, Father, Father from, today, from today, I will acknowledge you, will acknowledge as, my you as my source, as my provider, as my provider for all the remaining days of my life. Days of no matter how you bless me, no matter how you lift me up, you will always remain my source. In the name of Jesus. He said, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. One of the ways you acknowledge God as your source is to honor him with your tithe. If you don't pay your tithe, you are trying to say, I, I earned it myself. And, and one of the reasons why God withdraw his favor from the work of your hand is because you are not acknowledging him as your source. When you bring our tithe to God every month, we are trying to say, Lord, thank you. I, you are the one who provided for me. I honor you with this. If you give him the tenth, he will sanctify the ninety and multiply it and make it abundant for you. Hello? Yeah. Honor God with your tithe. That tenth will not do anything for you. Amen? Yeah. He said, honor the Lord with your substance when the, and with the first fruits of all your increase. He says, so shall your barns be filled with plenty and your vats shall overflow with new wine. May that be your story. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Honor God. I pray for everybody here that after this fast, God will help you to be faithful to him in your tithes Amen. and your offerings. Amen. 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 Now, now, he said, the, the, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. And he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So, after acknowledging God as his source, he also went out to proclaim openly that God has given me a command. Somebody say a command. A command. Now, how did God talk to Cyrus? We still don't know. Maybe God might have sent a prophet to him to say, hey, before you were born, there was a prophecy about you, blah, blah, blah. We don't know. Or did he have a dream? Because remember, Pharaoh was an unbeliever, but he dreamt. You know, Nebuchadnezzar also had a dream that God showed him visions. So God has spoken to unbelievers. We have record of unbeliever kings seeing visions of, in, their, in their dreams. So maybe Cyrus had his own revelation. And now I keep telling people, if God can even talk to unbelievers, how much more us? 
Why, why do you have to wait for somebody to pray for and see a vision before you can hear God? I mean, and look at look at Pharaoh, look at Nebuchadnezzar, ungodly idol worshiper. One day God God entered his dreams and showed him visions of the future. I pray that God will speak to you. Amen. I can't hear you. I said I pray that God will speak to you Amen. and show you His plans and purposes for your life. Amen. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. Today, I pray over my life and I receive discernment. In the name of Jesus, I receive discernment to discern the direction of God concerning my life. In the name of Jesus, I receive insight concerning the will of God for my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray over my life and I declare from today, every direction Every insight concerning God's plans and God's purposes for my destiny, I receive it now. I receive it now. I receive insight. I receive revelation. In the name of Jesus, I receive it now. I receive it now. I receive it now. Somebody here, I pray for you that the Spirit of God will help you to know your place in God's global agenda. Let me say that again. I said, I pray for you that God will help you to see and to know your placement, your divine placement in God's global agenda. In the name of Jesus, you will begin to see your life as extraordinary. From today, you will see that your life is not just about you. You have an assignment in your family. You have an assignment in this nation. You have an assignment globally. There is a strategic placement that God has purposed for you long before you were born. That within the history of time, you, you know, your, your destiny will affect global trends and global events. You know, the next one is going to be very powerful. Some serious destiny moments are going to happen in people's lives. Some strange, strange, strange anointings. Because I'm seeing some global icons. People that will, will shake world history. They are here. Yeah, they are here. They are here. Somebody say, I'm one of them. Cyrus was born strategically to influence world events. And you too. That is God's plan for your life. Amen. 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 That's otherwise you will not be hearing me now. You are hearing this because this is what God want me go on to tell you. Cyrus knew why he God lifted him, why God made him great, why God anointed him, why God made him wealthy, why God made him powerful, powerful. He said, "The Lord God has commanded me." To build him a house at Jerusalem. Look at verse 3. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel, which is in Jerusalem. Verse 4. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goose and livestock, beside the fruit offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers of the house of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all whose spirits God had moved arose 
to go and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. The surprising thing is that even when the Israelites were free, most of them didn't want to go back to Jerusalem. It was rather the unbeliever king, Cyrus, who was now telling the people, go back and build. Go back. It was Cyrus, who, the priests and the Levites, with all those whose spirit God had moved. That means there were still people who were not moved. Yeah, that's why I heard a story of Esther. There were still a lot of Jews still in, in the Persian kingdom who refused to go to Jerusalem. But it was the king who said, no, my mandate is to ensure that that temple is built. What a man. What a man. No wonder God said, I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places. The last prayer I want us to pray. If God wants to bless you, one of the reasons why he wants to bless you is because of his kingdom. Amen. Global evangelization. Sending the gospel all over the world. Amen? Amen? We need to reach Europe with the gospel. Amen? The gospel must enter communist nations. China, North Korea, Russia, Poland, Cuba. All those places, they need the gospel. They need it now. Tell you what. The gospel never reach all the places I'm calling out with, without money. Without money. Hello? And when I say money, I don't mean 10,000. You can't plant one church in Europe with 10,000 Ghana. Yes, but we need churches in Europe. If you go to Europe today, cathedrals have been turned into restaurants and into, into nightclubs. It, it's a shame. But it's going to stop. Yeah. God is raising some multi-millionaires in this house. Yeah. Do you know how, how much one Benihin crusade costs? One crusade to win souls for Christ is not easy. Go to all the Islamic nations. We need a gospel to enter the Islamic nations. We need a gospel to enter places. If you go just up north here to Mauritania, you can't preach the gospel. You'll be arrested. Mali, you can't preach the gospel. But you know money can take the gospel to those places I'm talking about right now. Yeah. Money can take the gospel there. That's why I'm praying for God to bless this church. I believe LifeGate, we have a global agenda. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about that. It may sound like pride, but I believe that LifeGate Temple we have a strategic place in God's global agenda. I believe that a day is coming we need to be able to reach every nation with the gospel. That means build TV stations if it's possible. If not build a TV station, at least pay for airtime to a station that can reach some of these countries. And we're going to do it. I said we are going to do it. I'm just announcing to you so that when it's happening, you say, oh, he said it. I'm just telling you that when, when we, we start, one day you hear announcement that oh, we just opened a new church in uh, Switzerland. So he said it some years back. Yeah, we just opened a church in, in Japan. It takes money to, to preach the gospel. I said, that's why God wants to bless you. Amen. For the kingdom. Somebody say the kingdom. The kingdom. Somebody say, Father. Today, Today, I ask for your anointing, for, anointing. For, wealth. for wealth in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Let, your for Let your anointing for wealth come upon my life, upon my life. To, finance the gospel. to finance the gospel in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. To, finance to finance the gospel in the name of Jesus. To finance the gospel in the name of Jesus. Let your anointing for wealth come upon my life to finance the gospel. Today, I make a promise as you bless me, as you prosper me, 
I will, I will finance the gospel. I will play my role. I will play my part in global evangelization. In the name of Jesus. 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 Lift up my two hands. I pray for everybody that God will give you grace. Thank you, Lord. Say, I receive fresh anointing for wealth and riches. In the name of Jesus. I shall become a global financier. A global kingdom financier. In the name of Jesus. I shall become a global kingdom financier. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say, today, I receive the anointing to become a global kingdom financier. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I command the wealth of the riches to come to me. I command the wealth of the, of the world to come to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.